We do start with the breaking news. Here's President Biden speaking to reporters at the White House just moments ago. Yes. I do hold them responsible in the sense that they're supplying the weapons to the people who did it. Well, we'll have that discussion. This could be one of the most consequential decisions of Joe Biden's presidency so far. I want to go straight to Arlette Sines at the White House. Arlette, you were one of the reporters there talking to the president, asking him questions. What else did he say? Well, Dana, President Biden and his national security team have really spent the past two days drilling down on the options available to him to respond to this attack, which left three U.S. service members dead. And he told me just a short while ago that he has, in fact, made that decision. Of course, officials say that the president really has been balancing two things when trying to find a, a way to respond. And that includes crafting a forceful response that would deter future attacks, but also preventing a, a wider regional conflict from erupting. That is something that the president has made clear in his conversations uh, as he is trying to figure out the way to respond. Now, the, the White House has yet to telegraph how and when the president and the United States will respond to these attacks. You have heard Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying that he expects it could be multi-leveled. It could... Uh, go through phases and take a quite a period of time to have these responses. But one thing that officials have made clear is that they do believe that any response would be more powerful than the retaliatory strikes the U.S. has been taking in the past against those uh, Iranian-backed uh, groups in Syria uh, and Iraq. So far, the actions that the U.S. has taken have not deterred these attacks uh, from uh, being conducted. That is something I asked the president whether this time will be different, and he said, we'll see. Now, some of the options available to the president is potentially striking those groups again in Iraq and Syria, trying to target a leadership, also potentially launching an offensive cyber attack. But one thing that officials have suggested is that it's unlikely the president will strike directly in Iran, which is something some of his Republican uh, lawmakers up on Capitol Hill have been calling for. But it's clear that the president is facing a very fraught and challenging decision as he's trying to have this U.S. show of force while also preventing a wider conflict from erupting in the region. Arlette, such important reporting uh, and really the key question and the answer you got from the president that he has decided how he's going to respond. Thank you so much for that. Now let's go to CNN's Nick Robertson, who is in the region. He's in Tel Aviv. Nick, you have covered the Middle East for many years. Can you just put in context what is happening, what is about to happen? Of course, we're not just talking about where you are, well, Israel versus Hamas, but this broader uh, situation and the potential for it to get even broader if, if and when the U.S. responds? Well, Iran is backing so many different proxies in the region. And depending on how the United States strikes, and definitely there is pressure from, from many places in this region for the United States and President Biden to understand that the language that Iran will really understand best is, is a strong, robust military response. Um, Iran's proxies are in Lebanon, they are in Syria, they are in, uh, in Iraq, uh, they are in Yemen, and they've all been militarily active, and they've all been militarily active against the United States and its allies, Israel included, um, in the region. And I think the stakes are incredibly high. Whatever option the president goes for, 
absolutely there will be a response, whether it comes direct back from the, the, uh, from the military in Iran, the IRGC, who just a couple of weeks ago we saw fire ballistic missiles into Syria, into Iraq, and a day later into Pakistan as well. They've shown that they're willing to flex their muscles, or whether the response comes from those proxies that are even more powerful in Iraq at the moment, the, those Iran-backed um, uh, proxies in Iraq that are very powerful inside Iraq, mm -hmm. are pressuring the government in Iraq to throw US forces out of there. Um, this, this is, I would say, whatever the president does, it is the beginning, it won't be the end, and it is, in essence, an escalation of a sequence of tit for tats. This will likely be big, however. Yeah, I want you to listen and our viewers to listen to how the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, assessed the situation. This is an incredibly volatile time in the Middle East. Um, I would argue that we have not seen a situation as as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973, and arguably uh, even, uh, even before that. As any Secretary of State does, he really chooses his words quite carefully. He wanted to not only uh, send a message to people in the region, maybe even uh, people back home. What is your assessment of that very, very strong direct statement from Antony Blinken? Again, it's something that's shared in this region here as well, that everything is slowly escalating. The anger in the region about what people see happening in Gaza has escalated tensions there. The effort for a ceasefire is underway, but the northern border here in Israel, Hezbollah and the IDF on that border have increasing strikes at each other. The tension is there. Israel has unannounced and un, un unclaimed strikes into Syria. The, the, the potential for a very big escalation, it, it really exists, and it would come down to a misinterpretation or an overstep by, by any one of Iran's proxies. Nick, thank you so much. It's uh, so important to have you there to give, you, give, our, give us your reporting, but also your historical uh, context. Thank you, Nick. I want to bring in my great panel to talk about all of these challenges that President Biden is facing in the Middle East and elsewhere, seen as Jeff Zeleny, Sungmin Kim from the Associated Press, and Aaron Blake from the Washington Post. Um, I've been saying this morning, I've been sort of tweaking the famous Donald Rumsfeld line that you go to uh, an election with the world that you have when you're president, not the world that you want. Right. And this is not the world that any president wants, but particularly one in the middle of an election year. Without question. And look, I think, as you said, this is going to be a decision that is uh, remembered without, without a doubt. I mean, look, if you look at the sort of the arc of Joe Biden's uh, policy view, I mean, he has long been very skeptical about the U.S. involvement in Iraq mm -hmm. and the Middle East, much more so than a, a, f a few of his predecessors, actually. Uh, but look, now this is what uh, he has dealt. So he said, I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. It's not what he's looking for, but he also can't control mm -hmm. what is about to happen. And someone asked a question in the briefing yesterday that really uh, touched off um, uh, 
uh, John Kirby, who said he's not doing this because of polling. I think that's likely true because the uh, political fallout of this is very dangerous for President Biden among his Democratic uh, coalition, which is really fraying in some regards to uh, what's happened in the Middle East. So uh, this is why the, the uh, power of incumbency is strong and beneficial in some respects. In other respects, it's not. Let's dig into uh, the pressure points that he is feeling, um, not just politically, but also obviously militarily. And you're right, John Kirby was very uh, intent on saying that we're going to focus on what's important geopolitically and not what's happening here in his reelection. Mikey Sherrill, he's, she's a Democrat from New Jersey. She was a Navy helicopter pilot. She graduated from Annapolis. Listen to what she said on uh, CNN this morning. You know, sure, it feels good. It feels macho to say that we are going to destroy our enemies. But at this time, what the United States often does best is not simply go in half-cocked. What we are trying to do here is to prevent a full-scale war. We are trying to deter this aggression. Right. That's the that's sort of the message that the White House is trying to send. But when you were talking about just the, the pressures that are on President Biden right now in an election year with this uh, growing conflict in the Middle East, I'm just struck by where all the different political pressure points are coming from, because you do have a very vocal contingent of Republicans saying you have to strike Iran, hit them hard, Lindsey Graham being one of them. And obviously his likely general election opponent, Donald Trump, already deriding him as we got Iran, but then you have a growing number of his progressive base who are really upset and protesting him everywhere he goes about because of the war in Gaza. And this is what they warn of over and over, that we don't want a broader conflict in the Middle East. And then you have another group, you know, um, you know who would otherwise could be supportive of the president's actions, but they're really worried and increasingly concerned about the unilateral actions that he's taking. He's saying that he needs congressional authorizations for the moves that he's taking. So he has all of these pressure points coming from every which direction, which is why, as our reporters have pointed out several times, this is a really fraught moment for the president right now.